Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Good morning! Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's time to wake up. <laughs> it's five, and we're live. Oh, is this thing on? I don't care. I want him to hear. This is the pregame show. Your early morning shot of sports on 95.7. The game. Come on. Yes, sir. Good morning, family. Stephen Lankford on the pregame show, leading you up until 6 o'clock here on 95.7 The Game. Hope you're having a terrific morning so far. A little later on in the program, want to go through my top five list. This is what I'm going to be doing for the rest of the week here, leading up until the Giants' first National League Division Series game on Friday. But going to be doing a top five list of different aspects of the Giants. Today, the top five starts from starting pitchers. So we're going to do that at 5.35. Want to talk about what Kyle Shanahan had to say regarding the quarterback position. And then also, there was one play in that Warriors preseason game last night that has me most looking forward to the season. And the Warriors played the Blazers, in case you didn't know. And one of these plays, no, it doesn't have to do with anything for the Warriors' future, but it has to do with the NBA in general and what has me most looking forward to the season. So we'll get to all of that on today's show. Going to be a lot of topics, a lot to talk about. But let's start off with last night. And before we get to any of what actually happened within the game as the Chargers yeah, I mean, it was 28-14, to 14, but it felt like the score was even worse than that with how the game was going. But before the game, just an odd situation in L.A. Just an odd situation. I've never heard of a weather delay happening when you're in a dome. Now I understand they're they're nervous with the thunder and lightning that was going on and there were videos that were being posted of the sky and showing what it looked like and it looked it looked pretty treacherous. You know? It looked like something out of Twister. So, you know, I I'm thinking, all right, well they're in a dome, they're trying to take the proper precaution, whatever. But then later on in the game, with the way that the sky looked and how it was just the sun was setting and it looked like there was nothing wrong. I mean, what the hell's going on in California? And then all the memes that happened along with John Gruden and him looking confused. 
Uh, and, and speaking of which, I'm, I, I don't know. I didn't want to mention this, but you know what? I'm going to. Gruden was a trending topic last night because of what happened in this weather delay. <laughs> and something was posted. If you search in John Gruden on Twitter, if you search that in the search bar, and, and this is just completely, this is a side note to everything that happened in the game, but I have to read this. This is from Danny Heifetz from The Rigger. Your annual reminder that John Gruden had said this in an interview to Playboy in 2003. And John Gruden was doing an interview with Playboy magazine. Here's the quote. Bucks head coach John Gruden, Bucks being the Buccaneers, interviewed in the September issue of Playboy, reveals that he lost his virginity at age 17 in South Bend, Indiana. Quote, I lost my virginity to the Notre Dame fight song, man. There was a band. Nope, not even music, but it was in my mind. <laughs> the Notre Dame fight song was in Gruden's mind. I didn't want to picture that, but when I saw that trending on Twitter, oh, man, that cracked me up. What a time to bring that up. He just looked so confused, though, uh, with everything. And not only did he look confused with the dome and why there was a re- weather delay, But he seemed confused on offense in the first half and what was going on in that entire game because the guy did not have an answer. Week week after week, it's been nonstop with Josh Jacobs because after that first week against the Ravens when Jacobs scored a couple of touchdowns, you could tell after every run he was laboring on that foot. He was coming back to the sideline grimacing, and you're wondering this entire week whether Josh Jacobs is going to play. Then come to find out yesterday, he's really questionable and it's going to be a game-time decision. Then we find out that he's cleared to play. So, okay, you're bringing in Josh Jacobs, and immediately, as soon as you come in, you try to establish the run. It's not working. You go with two straight uh, two straight runs to Jacobs. He only goes for three yards. Then it's an incomplete pass. You go three and out. Then the next play, you start getting terrorized by Joey Bosa. The offensive line starts to look putrid and scared. Then following play after Joey Bosa has that strip sack, which the Raiders ended up recovering, Alex Leatherwood starts it off with a false start, and it just it was just ugly in that first half. And when you have negative yards after a first quarter, and I think Seahawks fans can speak to this, you're not feeling too good, especially with where you're at. And then when you get into a fourth down situation after your team, your defense, is giving you a chance to get back in it after... The opening drive was a scoring drive for the uh, for the Chargers, and the defense is giving you a chance to get back in it. Instead, you just continue to run Jacobs into the ground three straight plays, and then on a fourth and three, when you're on the Chargers 37, you have an uninspired screen pass where the defense was just all over it. So the first half, it just felt like John Gruden was totally confused. And you go into that half down 21 to nothing. <laughs> 21 to nothing. Now the second half was a little different. You know, you open the you you open the half with a scoring drive with that touchdown and you know Carr was stepping up in the pocket, making good plays. He had that nice pass to to Willie Sneed. You had that penalty from the Chargers. They were rushing to get to the quarterback. And, you know, you end up scoring on that drive uh, with a nice pass over there to Hunter Renfro. And I haven't even mentioned the play of the game. We'll get to the play of the game uh, in just a second. But, you know, it felt like Carr was, was, 
he was looking like the car that we've known for these first few weeks, which is a guy who's unafraid to take chances, who's able to step up in the pocket. And then after the Chargers, you get him nine plays for 19 yards and the defense gives you a chance. The Raiders come back and score another touchdown to make it 21-14. to Then they end up missing a field goal, and Austin Eckler runs in for a touchdown to make it 28-14. to And really, that's... That's just where the game was over. And Derek Carr overall, 21 of 34, 196 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, and he was sacked four times. I just think when you're at this point in the season, when you're four games into it, and I don't even know, I guess we got to call it a, a quarter of the season. Now that we have 17 games, I guess what you'd... What do you call the quarter of the season at this point? I guess after four games, you could call it a quarter of the way through the season. But the first three games, and anyone, anytime anyone asks me or anyone asks the question, you know, are the Raiders good? Are are they? Are are they? You know, are they legit here? And then you know, three games in, you're thinking, well, they look better than they originally looked. They looked better than they originally looked, but really, I don't know. I don't know. They still have a lot of games left to play, and even in these four weeks, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's happened with these top teams among the NFL. You know, the Cardinals, they still remain undefeated. The Cardinals look pretty damn good, but then the Rams are the ones who lose to them, even though the Rams beat the Buccaneers, and then, you know, you had the Packers and the Saints, and you thought the Saints were going to be the next up-and-coming team in the NFC. Everything in the first quarter of the season is just so jumbled. You don't know the identity of these teams. But one thing that I do know about the Raiders here, as they are 3-1 and one on the season, it's hard to be that negative when you're 3-1 and one on the season. But one thing that I do know is that that offensive line, and when you make changes to it the way that they did, that was the only thing in this past Half a decade that the Raiders, I mean, I'm not even going to look at the past half decade, even before that, that's the only thing, the offensive line that is, that it felt like they built correctly. You know, there was a time when the wide receiver core did look good with Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree, but you didn't have much of a run game to go along with it, so the offense had a hole there. But that offensive line was so good that you can mask some of those deficiencies from the run game. The defense just hasn't been built the proper way. The defense has just been terrible, really, the past 20 years. It hasn't been built the right way. And you finally get an offensive line that you build the correct way. Now, a couple of players do leave, and you make an addition of Trent Brown, but then you trade away Rodney Hudson and Gabe Jackson, really, without much reason. I still haven't heard much of a reason for Rodney Hudson being traded. I, I really haven't from him being traded over to the uh, to the Cardinals. And what he's looking like now, he's looking very good. But there's something in me as a Raider fan, and it's nothing against the players. It's nothing against these the, these guys overall. But when Gruden makes these changes, and I'm assuming it's just Gruden. I don't know about Mike Mayock. I'm just going to assume it's Gruden. But when Gruden is the one who is making these calls where you're just gutting the offensive line, for no reason, and you're paying a guy like Richie Incognito, who didn't pay, pay, play last year, who hasn't got on the field this year, you're running out there with backups. I don't even know who's being thrown out there at right guard right now. The Trent Brown situation's a little different because he didn't get on the field last season, and he's still not able to get on the field for the Patriots this season, even though they got him there. 
But you make a first-round pick in Alex Leatherwood, and he's getting embarrassed by Joey Bosa last night to the point where as soon as the Chargers called the blitz, he was just going one-on-one with whoever, whether it was Colton Miller on the left side or Alex Leatherwood on the right side. But there's something in the Raider fan, the salty Raider fan in me, who looks at Gruden, and when this happens, it's like, you did this. You made these changes. You're this is the reason why you're not able to get the run game going with Josh Jacobs. They're not giving him any holes to work with. I mean, he didn't get one until the second half when he had that 10-yard run, but other than that, I mean, he had 13 carries overall for 40 yards. Not a great game for him, and that's partially because of how the offensive line looks uh when they're trying to get the run game. But you know, I thought the Raiders in the second half showed a lot of heart, and I thought Derek Carr was making some nice plays. But the play of the game, and this is the one that everybody was talking about, and this is credit to ESPN, but when the Chargers go out for a punt and try to fake it when they're up 7 nothing, and this happens... They're going to fake Tylon to throw for it! And it was caught and knocked out of bounds! Tylon, the punter... Tavon Campbell and Hunter Renfro came up to make sure that was not a completion. And social media went insane for that yesterday. I mean, I mean <laughs> the Hunter Renfro stop on the fake putt. He traveled at 17 miles an hour to do so, by the way. That's according to Next Gen Stats. And he was the one who was going to be returning the putts, and he saw that it was a fake and manages to make the hit. A form tackle for Hunter Renfro. I don't think anybody was expecting that. And then he'd follow it up with that uh, with that touchdown, which was just an absolute strike from Carr. But I do want to say this, and or I do want to play this, and this is going to be coming up next because I do got to get to break here. But Joey Bosa said something regarding Derek Carr and the fact that they've figured him out. And I think that you can look, if you're a 49er fan and you're listening to this, you can look at the quarterback situation uh, in Santa Clara, and I think that you can compare the two. So I want to get to what Joey Bosa had to say about Derek Carr next because he did not have that glowing of an endorsement for him. And then we'll get to what else we ever got, uh, we ever got going on. We got Giants, we got 49ers. I do got some Warriors thoughts here as well. So we'll get into all that next. Stephen Langford in on the pregame show, 95.7. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Okay. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. I'm not going to lie. I really wish we would have saw the Manning cast last night. Didn't have it because they'd been three weeks, and I think they take the next three weeks off, and then they'll be back. But I would have loved to have heard Peyton and Eli and what they had to say. Uh, regarding that first half, and not only that, but also just the weather delay that made the game end up starting at 5.55. I felt bad for everybody uh, on the East Coast, whoever was trying to watch that game, whoever's into it, because, I mean, imagine that. We don't, we don't, we don't think about that enough, at least here on the West Coast, and being a California born and raised person. Never think about that, hey, yeah, you know, that game, that Monday night football game that they have, those normally start at 8.20. I mean, me, by the time 8.20 comes around, I'm already thinking that I got to go to bed. (laughs) I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they do it. Now, I do want to get to something that Joey Bosa had to say uh, regarding Derek Carr after the game. And I want to connect it to something that's going on uh, within the 49ers organization. Uh, But in that 28-14 loss, you know, that first half was just... So ugly for the Raiders, at least on the offensive side of the ball. The defense the defense was holding their own. And let's face it, man, when the Chargers are healthy, Chargers are a good team. Chargers are a very good team when they're healthy. And, you know, we're not over here in San Francisco when we're seeing the 49ers last season in 2020 and we're seeing all the injuries. Now, granted, it was a historic Kind of, it was a historic year for injuries. Like nobody had been hurt the way that the 49ers had been hurt last season. But the Chargers have been, you know, their stars have just always been going down. Austin Eckler, Austin Eckler was fantastic last night. He was fantastic. 15 carries for 117 yards, and then he sealed that game with the touchdown. It reminded me a lot of what happened with Alex Collins for the Seahawks when he scored against the 49ers. It felt like he'd put the dagger in the game, but Alex Collins hasn't been running the football all game, really. But Austin Eckler was just killing the Raiders, not only in the pass game, uh, but or not only in the run game, but in the pass game as well. I mean, he had three receptions for 28 yards and also the touchdown. Eckler was a beast, but that dude hasn't been able to stay on the field. The Chargers actually got a really good team. If you're if you're a Raider fan, I don't know if I'd be I, I don't know if I'd be down so much on that loss. I know it was a tough one, and I know that the way that they uh, they looked in that first half, it was very uninspired. And the second half, they finally started to open things up. 
Um, but I wouldn't be too down. I think that team's that team's very, very good. They got a lot of talent everywhere. And if you look up the latest with uh, Brian Baldinger, who's going to be joining the morning roast here at, uh, at 7.30, if you look up his latest breakdown, the way that they're secondary is somehow, if you have a three-wide receiver, uh, if your personnel has three wide receivers on the field and you have that one tight end, somehow... That defense is able to double-team all of them and still try and get to the quarterback, even with just rushing four, uh, with guys like Joey Bosa and Linval Joseph on that team, who's one of the most underrated big D-tackles in the game. It's a very good team that they're facing. It's a very good team. And I haven't even mentioned this guy, but Darren Waller, week in and week out, just continues to impress. Pass-catching running back. Third and goal. A ball game. So that made it 21 to 14, and that was the high point. But then, you know, they'd follow it up and they'd actually get a stop and they'd get a chance to come back and uh, and tie the game. But, you know, Daniel Carlson ends up missing the field goal, and then the Chargers follow that up with a touchdown. Just a, a, a brutal series there as the, as the Raiders look to be making their way back into the game. But there was that moment at the end. There was. That that moment in that drive with the missed field goal that led to the missed field goal, it was on the third and three play. It was on the third and three play, and Covington, who was the de- defensive tackle, gets inside and he sacks Derek Carr in that third and three to make it four and nine. Now Carr had been sacked three other times in this game, and there were other there were some close calls too. I mean, there was that uh, there was that one to Waller, which he ended up getting called a taunting penalty for. But Joey Bosa was damn close to 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 getting another strip sack in this one. It felt like Carr was under duress for uh, a, a lot of this game, especially in the first half, and they weren't able to establish the run at all. But Joey Bosa. As he'd just been dominating. He's the type of dude that can wreck a game. Here's what he had to say about Derek Carr after the game. Uh, we knew once we hit him a few times, he really gets shook. And, and you saw on, on CeCe's sack, he was pretty much curling into the ball before we even got back there. So, um, great dude, great player. He's been having a great year. But we know once you get pressure on him, he kind of shuts down. And he's not as effective with the with a crowded pocket, so uh, that was was the key to it. And that's coming from a guy who has been playing this dude twice a year ever since he got into the league. So he knows Derek Carr, and this is why you're seeing a lot of these teams just move off from their their quarterback. Hell, the thing about yesterday's broadcast, the thing I kind of liked about the, the delay from the uh, uh you know when it when they changed the game from 520 to or 515 or whatever to 555 they had to try and figure out what they were going to do to fill that 40 minutes and it left Booger McFarland and uh and Steve Young and Randy Moss to give their hot takes to give their to to really go deep into it instead of just you know maybe analyzing the pregame and you know saying something here or there but not really saying anything earth shattering not really giving much of an opinion but they started to go in about Derek Carr and Justin Herbert and I did find it very fascinating that they'd mention they still haven't paid Carr given him another extension yet and they were saying they should they were saying he's done enough. But I think also what happened in this game is that 
you saw a situation and what Joey Bosa said yesterday. That's what's been going on with Carr. Now, the difference between, you know, the the past few years, because in 2018, 2019, and not necessarily 2020, but he was still getting used to, to Gruden's offense. But at the same time, you could tell he was, when he was under pressure, when he started taking some hits, that's when he'd get a little skittish in the pocket. That's when he would, you know, start to get jittery feet. I, I, jittery is a word I've heard so much just because I'm out here in the Bay Area. We've been talking so much 49ers and jittery Jimmy, I guess, is the new thing for Garoppolo. But, you know, ever since that season where he broke his ankle, it, it, when he does get hit, that's what happens. And when Joey Bosa says that, I don't know how much respect that those opposing defenses have for Carr. Now, that Second, now don't get me wrong, that third quarter, I mean, Carr was lighting him up. He was, you know, stepping up in the pocket, making all the throws, and that's the difference. He has shown that he can be resilient. At other times previously, you know, it had been just Derek Carr and, you know, just a check down or throw it out of bounds when you're on third down. He'd do little things like that when he'd get pressured. It's a little different this season. He's showing a lot more confidence and, you know, throwing the ball downfield, trying to get it to Ruggs. He had that really nice pass over to Ruggs later in the game. I just played the touchdown for you. Uh, you know, that throw to Darren Waller, it was perfect. It was only where Waller could have caught it over Asante Samuel Jr. But I'm looking at the quarterback situation for the 49ers, too. And I'm thinking, and it's not the same thing, because Garoppolo, by all accounts and from everything we've seen, I don't think we any of us have actually questioned Garoppolo's toughness. I don't think we've ever questioned his ability to stick in the pocket and then make the throw, even though you got a defender coming down your road, even though you got a defender right in your face. We've never gotten into we've never got on Garoppolo for that. But I do think there's something to having the opposing defenses, whoever you're going to face, especially the ones within your division, having a quarterback who keeps the opposing defenses on their toes, who the opposing defenses can't really figure out. And when I'm seeing something yesterday where Garoppolo has a has the uh, the bone bruise in his calf and Kyle Shanahan is saying that there's a chance that Garoppolo might actually start, here's the reason why I think Lance should be playing over Garoppolo at this point. It's that he does not scare opposing defenses. He doesn't give defenses much to think about. You know, Derek Carr recently has, with his play, with with the fact that he's gained that confidence throwing again. But they have found that weak link, which is if you're going to get to him, then he's eventually going to get skittish. And toward the end of that game, you saw that he had no faith in that offensive line. And really, why would he? They were a turnstile at one point. They were a Swiss cheese line. But there was a time when he just tucked the ball in when Covington is three yards away and he's just willing to take the sack. Yeah, I, I just think there's something to having opposing defenses, having a quarterback that makes the opposing defenses think, but also one where really they don't know the weakness. And that's what you saw with Derek Carr last night. Don't get me wrong, again, the thing that's changed completely from ever since he broke that ankle up until now is that he understands the offense, and Gruden could have called much better plays also. 
You know, the the short yardage situation that the Raiders were in, Gruden was calling just the most uninspiring plays I've ever seen. It's just, yeah, we're just going to try and run the ball with Jacobs because we have the look that, that that we want. And then Brandon Staley ended up out coaching him completely uh, on the defensive side of the ball. But I do think there's something to with, you know, Mahomes and, and Herbert. Herbert, even though he was pressured and blitzed quite a bit, you could tell that he was still standing in the pocket and able to make those throws. I just think there's something to it. From the 5-1-0, Bosa's not lying. It was the 4-2 char- the Chargers blitzed and Carr car got spiked and checked down to Kenyon Drake when Waller was wide open. Also from the 5-1-0, Chargers are good, but don't forget, they were playing against the refs, fake taunting penalty and whatnot. There was that taunting penalty, but then Joey Bosa actually went on to continue and uh, say the refs are blind because he was getting held. What do you know? Another Bosa getting held in the fourth quarter when the uh, when, when the game's getting close. From the 925, Raider fan here. Raider O-line got demolished last night in all facets. Carr isn't good enough to create or make tight throws when things break down. Hence, captain check down. See, I think that's a little... I think that's a little too strong at this point. I think Carr's shown more than enough capability to create or make tight throws when things break down. I think he's shown the ability to do that. He did that last night. I mean, look at that Hunter Renfro play, for example. That's exactly what he did. But... Also, there is something to what Joey Bosa is saying. For the 510, for years I've been saying that as long as Carr's number one priority is self-preservation, the Raiders would never be a great team. Unfortunately, that is a direct result of watching his brother's career. That's John G. in Oakland. That's not a terrible point. That's not a bad point. With the amount of times that David Carr was sacked when he was with Houston, Derek's looking at his brother and, 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 and maybe subconsciously it has something to do with it. But it's also the Chargers, and it's Joey Bosa, and that dude just likes to talk a lot of crap. <laughs> like, like, like that's where he's at in his career, man. That guy, that guy's a beast. Him and Nick are both gonna just take over the league <laughs> as long as they stay healthy. Good things are going to happen there for the Bosa brothers in the league. All right, coming up next, want to get into some Giants talk here. Now we got the. Game one of the National League Division Series. You got the Red Sox and the Yankees tonight. We await to see who the Giants opponent is going to be. But for the rest of the week, I want to do a top five list from different aspects of the season. And today, going to be doing my top five starts from starting pitchers. This was actually a lot of fun to look back on. So we'll get to my top five starts from starting pitchers. Then there's a couple other things that I want to discuss from the Warrior game and continue to talk a little 49ers with Kyle Shanahan and starting Trey Lance. 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in. Stephen Langford on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game. Game show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. It's like that now, everybody. It's like that now. Man. What a great song. Sad song, but very real. Man. I need Andre three stacks back. I need to make something. He's willing to work now, you know? These artists, they're a different breed. They feel like it, it's it's a total 
it's a total feel thing for them when they want to make music. And it looks like Andre 3000, at least that's what it sounds like, uh, is in the mood for finally making some music again. But that's another conversation for another day. Now, we have the Giants in the National League Division Series. Game one on Friday. Still have yet to await who their opponent is going to be. So, for the rest of the week... I wanted to do, leading up to Friday, I wanted to do a top five list of different aspects from the season because in those 107 wins, there's a lot There's a lot to look back on. And today I'm going to go through my top five starts of the regular season. And maybe uh, this will bring some of you back uh, to what went on during the year. But these, with how close it was, the fact that it came down to the Sunday These starts were more than just, yeah, they were good starts from the starting pitchers. They actually meant something. So I got my top five starts from starting pitchers, and then I'll get to some Warriors talk because I do have a couple of thoughts on something that happened in that game that um, didn't show up on the stat sheet, but something that happened, which has me really looking forward, not really to the Warriors season, but to the NBA season in general. So I will get to that as well. But let's get to it. My top five starts from San Francisco Giants starting pitchers in 2021. I mean, how can you not? How can you not have pennant fever? That has to be the song, right? Has to be the song. All right. Number five here. Now, as I told you, these starts, the ones that I chose, a lot of them had major implications on the season. However, this one didn't. Let's go back to Friday on June 11th, when Anthony DiSclefani shut out the Nationals. This is number five on my list of top five starts for the Giants this year. Again, this game didn't have any implications on the season. They were already two and a half games up on the Dodgers within the division at this point. But this would be the second shutout that DiSclefani would pitch, having already shut out the Rockies a month prior. Now, he shut out the Rockies at Oracle Park, and as we know, with that Colorado team, they are garbage when they're playing outside of their home stadium, outside of Coors Field. But when DiSclefani pitched a second shutout, the only guy to do so on this team, it felt like, at that point, you knew that this regime was different. Because last year... It didn't feel like you could even get a pitcher to go seven innings. More than seven innings. It's just like, yeah, all right, seven innings, let's bring him out. He's going to be a third time through the order. We're done. But they signed Di Sclafani to a one-year, $6 million deal. And not only did they show, this new regime that is, that they're willing to let starting pitchers go late, but also they didn't go down as one of the best starting rotations in baseball for the first half of the season without this guy. They just signed him to a measly one-year, $6 million deal. One year, $6 million. And by the time Jude 11th rolled around, they'd already had two shutouts from him. Now, don't call them complete game shutouts because that's redundant. If it's a shutout, that means it went, they went all nine innings. If they went eight innings and they shut him out, that doesn't count as a shutout. A shutout... You just It implies that it's a complete game. But two shutouts already. Signing that $6 million deal, that's good enough for number five on my list of top five starts for the Giants in the 2021 season. Number four on this list. Kevin Gosman dominates the Dodgers. Now, the Giants ended up winning this game 5-4. They score early to make a 5-0 game. So Gosman did have some insurance behind him. 
and Zach Littell and Jake McGee both gave up two home runs in the eighth and ninth innings, respectively. But Gosman was known as one of the best pitchers in the National League at this point. DeGrom was overshadowing everything. I mean, do you remember that? You remember the beginning of the season when DeGrom is doing things that hadn't been done since Bob Gibson? Like he was he was on his way to being the best pitcher of all time. But here in San Francisco, at least having the best pitching season of all time. But here in San Francisco, we had Kevin Gosman. Now the Giants had now again, this was back uh this was back in the second series against the Dodgers. The Giants got swept in the pre- previous series with the Dodgers after losing the first game. And then you go to this series, they're playing a four-game series. Talkman makes that catch on Friday night changes the outcome of everything the Giants end up winning on Saturday and then on that Sunday you have your ace your guy Kevin Gosman who at the time was the dude and he comes in and he gives you six innings strikes out seven only gives up two hits and 62 of his 72 pitches that were thrown that day were strikes and they end up getting the win That start against the Dodgers, what that meant at that time, was huge. And any any win against the Dodgers, you can you you can you can really count uh, on this list. But as far as strong starting pitching performances go, you didn't see a ton against the Dodgers this year. But that to me was the was, was a pivotal one, and that was early on in the season when we're still trying to figure out whether this Giants team was a good team. So that's number four, Kevin Gosman dominating the Dodgers. So far, we had Di Scalfani shut out of the Nationals and Kevin Gosman's domination of the Dodgers. Number three on my list of top five starts for the San Francisco Giants in the regular season. Number three, Wednesday, July 7th. That's where we go back to. And if you remember, that is when the Giants were facing the Cardinals and Alex Wood ends up getting the W. Now, here's the story. This is the reason why it's number three. Six straight games prior to that. Again, let me repeat that. Six straight games prior to that, the Giants were only a half game up on the Dodgers. A half game up for six straight games. They just lost two straight to the Dodgers. Then they took three of four from the Diamondbacks and were on the verge of getting swept by the Cardinals. This entire time, they were a half game up. But then Alex Wood, you know... Pretty, I don't know if I want to call it a high leverage situation in the season, but Wood comes in and deals against this lineup that was scoring runs off the rotation and the bullpen, just doing it, you know, with one run here, one run there, and they just scatter them throughout the game that entire series. And Alex Wood on the last game, when they were on the verge of getting swept by the Cardinals, and hey, possibly going a half game back of the Dodgers. Alex Wood gives you seven innings, gives up three hits, strikes out six, only walks two, would move on to eight and three on the year. But also, this would spark a five-game win streak for the Giants that would eventually give them an even more of a go-ahead in the National League West. So number three on my list of top five starts for the Giants this season is Alex Wood against the Cardinals on July 7th. Now, I understand what you're thinking. What do these starts really mean? Well, look... It, was, it came down to them getting 107 wins, and that's how they had to win the division. On the final game of the year, on game 162, these starts meant something. And the final two, uh, well, let's be honest, they're both going to go to Logan Webb. But let's go to September 2nd, 
back on a Thursday, and this is number two on my list. Logan Webb keeps the Giants tied atop the National League West. They just had nine straight games on the road. Do you remember this? This was the stretch of the year where we're questioning. This is the one where we're wondering, all right, is this really what the Giants are going to look like? Is this the time that the Giants are going to make the leap? Or are they going to fall? Because they just had nine straight games on the road. And they'd won six of those nine games. If you remember, that road trip included those games against the A's, the Mets, and the Braves. And in those six wins, they were not impressive. Quite frankly, they got kind of lucky in some of those six wins. They got kind of lucky. And look, in a 107-win season, you're going to have to have those games. And you don't get to 107 without some of those lucky wins. But that's what happened on that road trip. Then they had four straight games to play against the Brewers. Now they lose those first three, and this is where things were getting dicey. (laughs) When they lost those three straight to the Brewers on that four-game series, after coming away relatively unscathed there, going 6-3 and on that previous road trip, and they lost those three straight, next up was Logan Webb. And this was the point in the season where we're wondering who's going to be the ace for this team. Who's going to be that number one pitcher? Logan Webb had been lights out coming off the IL. He'd been lights out. He'd been great. But this was the most important game for him so far in the season. Can he live up to it? Can he come through for the team when they need him most? Because the offense wasn't doing anything. Now, granted... They'd been up against Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff, who, if you haven't heard of those guys, you'll see them in the National League playoffs. But Logan Webb came through, and he gave them seven innings, gave up four hits, one earned run, 10 Ks, and one walk, and they would end up getting the win. He wouldn't end up getting the win. Tyler Rogers would end up getting the win in that game. But Logan Webb came through and gave him seven strong innings and proved that he is the guy for this team. He's going to be the number one, especially with Kevin Gosman cooling down and you know Alex Wood and Dee Sclafani kind of going on and off the IL here and there. But Logan Webb proved he was the guy. And not only that, they were a half game back on the Dodgers at this point after losing three straight. They were a half game back. Then they end up tying them for the division after that one. Man, man, that that was a great start to look back on. That was a great start. But you know what? I can't I, I can't go on this list. That's number two. Let me just go through the list real quick one more time before we get to number one on my list of top five starts for the San Francisco Giants in this 2021 season. So number five was Anthony DiSclefani shutting out the Nationals for his second shutout of the season, and it was already it was only June 11th by that time. Kevin Gosman dominating the Dodgers when they needed it, showing Hey, we can hang with this Dodgers team. We can hang with this National League West juggernaut. That was number four. Number three was Alex Wood and his start against the Cardinals when they were on the verge of being swept and they needed a good start out of a starting pitcher, and they got it. So that was number three, Alex Wood getting the win against the Cardinals. Number two was Logan Webb and the start that he had against the Milwaukee Brewers when the Brewers were about to give him a four-game sweep. But my number one, (laughs) my number one, it has to be the final game of the season. 
And no, it's not because of... It's not necessarily because of the start. It's not because of... You know, I mean, the Giants won 11-4. to it, it, Depending on whoever was starting, they would have got the win regardless. And Logan Webb looked great, but it's all due to this reason right here. Hit down the left field line. And out of here! Take the tour, kid. You deserve it. On the last day of the season, the Giants pitchers have hit a home run. And listen to this crowd. Logan Webb had such a swag about him in that final game of the season. And who better than the guy who is going to be your ace? But when he hit that home run, knowing that in these previous starts that he'd had, he'd actually been getting the bat on the baseball. He hadn't been too bad uh, at the plate whenever they were uh, playing in the National League. He hadn't been too bad. And he you know, had a single here. He had a triple there. And then I remember earlier on in the month where he had the triple and the teammates were making fun of him for for not having enough power to hit it out. And then on game 162, he actually gets one. On top of that, the Giants win the division. It was a great start for Logan Webb. And if if you go through all of them, if you manage to go through these these starts for the starting pitchers, you'll find a lot of good ones. But to me, those five right there are going to define the regular season for the Giants. And I think those are the ones that you can look back on if the Giants do make it this far and think, damn, those ones, when it comes down to the 162nd game of the season, those are the starts that we can think, wow, that was a turning point in the year. Like that's where I'm at with those with with, with those starts right there. So we're gonna be doing this for the rest of the week. Tomorrow going to be my top five home runs uh, of the season. And with the Giants and the amount that they'd hit, there were a lot of them. But I'm somehow I've somehow whittled it down to five. So we will get to that tomorrow. And speaking of this starting rotation, I think right now. That's how it's going to look. I think you got to have Webb as your number one, Gosman as your number two, and then Alex Wood, to me, uh, should be the number three. I don't think it's going to be – I don't even think it's a conversation uh, between him and Di Sclafani. I think the postseason experience that Wood has had, along with his time with the Dodgers in years previous, compared to what Di Sclafani's done – I just have more faith in, in 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 Wood in that spot, especially if whoever the Giants play, whether that's the Dodgers or the Cardinals, if they somehow get to Webb in Gosman. It's not like those guys – you never know in the playoffs, right? I mean, I look at last season, for example. Shane Bieber with the, with the, with the Cleveland Indians. Shane Bieber was going against the Yankees, and in the beginning of the game, I had to go to the bathroom, get up. It had been, you know, two minutes – just a measly two minutes, and Bieber had already given up two runs, even though he'd had a Cy Young season. Like You never know in the playoffs. So if Weber Gosman don't have good starts and you need someone on that third spot to really save you, I think Alex Wood can be that guy. I think that he can, I think that he can handle the pressure. I think he can. And then, you know, you have Di Scofani as your fourth, and that's what you roll out there with your rotation. And if you can find a way, you put Johnny Cueto in that in, in that bullpen, maybe let him be one of those long relievers, and, and, and you go from there. And you go from there. I'm feeling pretty good about the rotation so far. 
But some of these starts that they made, very important early on in the season. Some that uh, hopefully none of us forgot about. But I do want to transition here to the Warriors just real quick. Just real quick. And it's preseason, right? There's only so much you can make of preseason. Jordan Poole was lights out yesterday. Otto Porter was fantastic. He's looking like a great addition so far if he can stay healthy. But there was one play that I'm looking at in particular, which has me looking forward to... It's not the Warrior season. It's not, you know, it's it's not a play from Kaminga. It's not a play from Poole. It's not a play from Otto Porter. But it's a specific non-call that was given on Steph Curry. Now, I know I'm not trying to, to slander Steph here, but I do think that one thing we get annoyed with as basketball fans more than anything is when a player is about to take a three-pointer and he jumps into the, into the defender and somehow lands his feet in the exact same spot acting like the defender got in his line and somehow it's a, fa- a foul call and they put up three shots. Well, Steph tried doing that. Steph's the master of it, right? It's, he, he found the loophole in his game. You know, you put guys like James Harden up there, Dame Lillard, who they were facing last night, uh, 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 Kyrie, he's even in that conversation too. A lot of these guys, they try and jump into the, into the defender. Well, Steph Curry wasn't called for it yesterday. Or the, excuse me, the Blazers defender wasn't called for it when Steph tried to essentially jump into him and get that three-point play. If the NBA is going to eradicate this, then I'm very excited for the season because it's just such a turnoff every single year when I'm seeing guys, you know, take shots from the three-point line, jump at an angle. I haven't even mentioned Trey Young in this conversation. Jump at an angle, angle which just isn't natural. Jump at an angle where it, it doesn't look like you're even going for the shot. You're clearly just going to draw the foul and get to the line for three uh, for three free throws. I'm glad that they're going to try and eradicate this from the league. And that was a point of emphasis earlier this summer in this offseason after the finals where they were going to try and get rid of that, where refs were going to be way more lenient on the defender there. And if this play from Steph is any indication on how NBA games are going to be officiated, then I'm really looking forward to it. But also, I wonder who that ref is going to be where they do call it, where they do call the three free throws and everyone goes after him. Going to be tough for uh, tough for the refs. It's always hard. You know, every single year whenever there's a new rule, the refs always have a tough time trying to get used to it. It happened in the NFL, it's happened in baseball, and now uh, it looks like it's going to happen in the NBA. But I'm really looking forward to it. If they could somehow get rid of that type of play overall and players can just stop searching for fouls and instead try and actually just put up the three. Just try and put up the three. One thing that I wanted to also play before I before I get on out of here and uh, the morning rose comes up with Bonte Hill and Joe the Butcher Boy Shasky. Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson, we all know and love. Everyone knows who Jimmy Johnson is, of course. Super Bowl champion, head coach. Does all the... Uh, I, he doesn't do any... I don't believe he does any of the pre- and post-game shows. Does he? I haven't... I, he was doing them on Fox for a while. But Jimmy Johnson, he knows his stuff. And here's what he had to say regarding the 49ers and Trey Lance. 
Yeah, uh, or you get better. It takes a long time to get better that way. But you can get better in a hurry being out on the field. And, uh, and you know, the thing with Lance, um, he's going to be able to give you some plays with his athletic ability. Uh, so he'll obviously, he'll make some mistakes. Uh, but uh, Jimmy G is going to make some mistakes. Right. Uh, so yeah, I think if you live with the rookie, uh, you understand he's going to give you some plays with his athletic ability. He's going to make a few mistakes, but as time goes on, he'll get better. And uh, he'll help your team you know, maybe become a champion if he's what you think he's going to be. And when I saw those comments, and that was from the herd, by the way. That was from the herd yesterday. And when I saw those comments, but also seeing that Garoppolo might actually start because his injury wasn't as bad as they initially thought that it was going to be. I, I don't see the point. I really don't see the point. Garoppolo, we know who he is. We know who he is. And I played that cut for you earlier from Joey Bosa talking about Derek Carr, how he knows Derek Carr, thinks he's a good player, understands that he can make some of the throws, but also eh, doesn't really think that he can beat their defense. Like That's what I got from Joey Bosa when he talked about Carr. And when he talked about how if you give him some pressure, that's when he crumbles. If Trey Lance is going out there, you're giving the defense something completely different to think about. And at this point, I mean, with where they're at in the season, I know they're 2-2. Two and two, But they're going up against a Cardinals team that's looking as consistent as anybody has in the NFL so far through four weeks. And if they lose that one, I know you're going up against J.J. Watt, you're going up against Chandler Jones, but... If, if Garoppolo has a chance... We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 